Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for conversations with the winners and finalists of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. And on Writing the Coast, you'll also find conversations with book lovers from across the province and territory. On this week's episode, we travel to just beyond the very, very far north. Here's my guest for this episode. My name is Dan Borrell, and I'm a children's writer who lives here in Vancouver. Dan Borrell is an award-winning children's author, educator, and storyteller whose books include Audrey Cow, Not Your Typical Dragon, and, of course, the Very, Very Far North series. Just beyond the Very, Very Far North, is a finalist for the 2021 Sheila A. Egoff Children's Literature Prize. Dan's going to read for you from the book, and I have to tell you, his reading might be one of my favorites of all three seasons of the podcast. Here's Dan Burrell reading from Just Beyond the Very, Very Far North. Chapter 2, A Most Unpleasant Encounter when I last left off, Duane had come face to face with an uninvited visitor who was causing noise and havoc inside the grandfather clock Duane kept in the corner of his cave. Did I mention it was a Monday? It was a Monday. All stories involving overly loud characters begin on a Monday. Ah, oh, gum dollar puckered, bibble sputtin' malaproppy thing, where are you? Said creature was tubular in shape, with short, stubby legs and a thin tail half the size of his body. Wiry black whiskers framed his snout, his ears were small and round, and his eyes were black and beady, and not in a good way. What I've just described is known commonly as a stout, or an ermine, or what I will now refer to as a weasel. The fact that he would distinguish himself further by saying he was a short-tailed weasel, when his tail is obviously fairly long, only begins to demonstrate just how badly this creature knows himself. In any case, whatever he was, Duane had never laid eyes on one before. What are you looking at? The weasel demanded as soon as he realized he'd been discovered. I suppose I'm looking at you, replied Duane honestly. Well, cut it out. Mind your own business and shut the door. Obediently and delicately, Duane did bong, clang, clang. The clamor within the clock continued as Duane stood beside it, taking in what had just happened. Despite the rude awakening and the rude behavior that he had just encountered, he did not respond in anger. I think it is fair to say that Duane was not prone to those darker and sometimes crueler feelings. Instinctually, he would not assume someone else to harbor those feelings either. So he was always willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps it's just his way of expressing himself, Duane thought. Then he pried open the grandfather clock's front panel once more. You again, growled the weasel. What part of shut the door didn't you understand? None of it, replied Duane sincerely. I understood all three words. But I do have two questions. Will this search be of yours be going on for much longer? And second, is there a name that you go by? My name is Duane. If you don't have a name, I'm very good at giving them. In fact, all my, if there's any name calling to be done, I'll be the one doing it. Duane, interrupted the weasel. And he said Duane's name with such contempt, it was as if he was spitting out some foul tasting medicine. But to answer your questions, one, when I'm finished, 
Two, none of your business. Now shut the door. Obediently and delicately, Dwayne did so again. Clearly, this was not how Dwayne expected his day to start. And technically, it was now daytime. From outside the mouth of his cave, dawn was breaking. An intense sunbeam cut through the bruised purple clouds, made a beeline into Duane's home, and bathed him in golden light. And as if taking his cue from the sun, it suddenly dawned on Duane that the visitor might simply be grumpy because he hadn't had breakfast. Duane's stomach often behaved the same way when it was empty. Ready to extend an invitation, he pried open the grandfather clock's front panel a third time. Ah! shouted the weasel after getting hit straight on with a blinding spotlight of sunshine. That's it. I'm out of here. The weasel jumped off of the grandfather's clock and pushed Dwayne aside, or at least tried unsuccessfully to push him. There was a substantial size difference between the two. Before you go, said Dwayne, I wanted to ask you more questions, screamed the weasel. You really are a few flakes short of a blizzard, aren't you? Dwayne wasn't sure what the visitor meant by that, but his instincts were now strongly suggesting that whatever it meant was probably not very nice. Dwayne also reconsidered if a breakfast invitation was such a good idea after all. He chose a different question instead. I'm sorry to bother you, but I have to ask, have you lived in the clock all the time I've had it? This question amused the weasel. His anger subsided, or rather he replaced it with a tone that was snide. First, he laughed in a most unpleasant way, with all the joy and lightness squeezed out of it. Oh, is that what you think, Dwayne? He then moved right up to Dwayne and stood on his hind legs with his thin little chest puffed out. You think I spend my day holed up in this silly contraption? Is that what you think, Dwayne? Dwayne, poke, poke. Dwayne gasped. The visitor had addressed him just like magic sometimes did, complete with a poke to his belly, albeit this time to his knee on account of, again, the weasel being so much smaller. But whenever magic poked him, Dwayne knew it was done playfully. When the weasel did it, he felt mistreated. Uncomfortable feelings bubbled up inside the gentle polar bear that he'd never experienced before. For my part, I'm sorry to add that the weasel will be making more appearances in the book from time to time. However, on the plus side, he will be leaving this scene shortly, but not before spreading more of his, well, whatever the opposite of charm is. My name is Dan Borrell, and I'm a children's writer who lives here in Vancouver. If you could be a character from any novel, and it can be one of yours if you want to choose one of yours, who would you be and why? Oh, that is a hard one. (laughs) I'll use it. How about if I just use it as a lead in to talk about the, the book? And because it's a question that when I go into schools, I do get asked that in terms of where these characters are based on and whatever. And to me, I, I'd say that they are all parts of me in some way or the other. As different as all the characters are, I think in one way or the other, I, I, I relate to to each of them. And and Dwayne and like. Wayne, who's kind of the the anchor to this group of friends, that's kind of my anchor too. When things either get rough in one way or the other, the, the idea of, of leading with your heart and coming with the best intentions and, and hoping for the best intentions from other is, is so. Dwayne Dwayne's a, a a good um mentor for me in that regard. I think Dwayne's probably a good mentor for all of us in some regard. 
you mentioned in in kind of the lead up to your reading that the reading features the weasel, and this was a new character in this book. And I wondered if you could talk about, um, because this is a sequel, for those who aren't familiar with the first book and how it fits with the second, what were you trying to do with this book as a departure from the first book? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a great question. There was first of all, there was really no intention that there was going to be a sequel at, at, at first. So the writing itself, there's there's no formula to the story like a lot of books and series have. And so how I would distinguish the difference in the first book, it is really about Dwayne creating his world. And in, and literally he, he he creates in the sense that he he names most of the characters and 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 even the environment around him. So like a child born into the world that's what that's what he does and he and he starts to collect the series of friends around him that he cares about very much so i always distinguish that if the first book is is how Dwayne creates his world the second book by introducing the weasel uh and and the weasel is is a, is a destructive force how does how does Dwayne preserve that world that world that he's created what is he willing to do that that is not in compromise to who he is. You know, he's he's not bad natured. He's not aggressive or this and that. But he has people. People. He has characters that that mean a lot to him that, that he cares about, and he has to use whatever abilities he can to to hold that group together in the face of a character who, in some ways, takes pleasure undermining it. Who cannot stand to see that cohesiveness. Who has a philosophy. You know that he states. You know friendships don't last. You know you all drift apart. We all come out of a uh, out of our self interest, and and but it does only if you provoke it and you're pushing those buttons, which he does. So that's what it's about. Dwayne fighting to keep to keep the world that he loves. I was curious. Uh, you mentioned you you said people, and then you corrected yourself and said animals, and and I I was interested in in the choice because I write adult nonfiction, so all my characters are humans for the most part. Uh, and I'm curious about the choice of using animals as the characters instead of human characters and and why you find that a, an, an easier or perhaps more interesting way to allow the story to unfold. Well, it, it, it's something that kind of evolved in, in the stories that I wrote. And it, it wasn't my intention. I, I don't. Uh, I, I didn't gravitate it towards at, at first. It's funny. Like I, when I look at there, there's so many things in society changing right now, um, and and so in in terms of even writing things that you think are contemporary, when technology will make that outdated within another year. So any premise that's built on that that that's gone. And we are going through, you know, a, a huge reconsidering of what is, you know, who, who, who owns stories and which stories are we allowed to tell and that. And to me, I just found that you, with animals, uh, you know, I, I could then just focus on, on on human characteristics, right? And I didn't have to br bring in his, his historical elements and cultural elements and, and not worry about treading on, on on different feet i could just deal with humans in, in that way and animals in, in that regard you know with and again the choices that i used in these books these characters they they're animals and, and there are 
the behaviors of those animals that I've incorporated too, but there are also elements of humans in terms of vices and virtues, you know, in, 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 in different combinations that I put together. Yeah. Well, and it's an interesting like storytelling tradition too, because I, I think of so many of the stories and Disney movies that I was brought up on and how many of those stories featured human care, like pers- humanized animals as this as the vessels to tell the story i mean it was it it's a very familiar way i think to tell stories and children's stories in particular you know i had another picture book before these two came out called audrey uh, sorry a middle grade called audrey cow and again it, it's it's well it's animals and humans they're all narrators though and it's one of the things like when i talk with children and that you, you know why do this anthropomorphic type thing? And it's like, it's not because I'm not really necessarily telling an animal story. I'm telling a human story, but, but through the animals, it allows us to have some distance and we can look at things, maybe look at things about ourselves that we're not actually comfortable about or, or thrilled about, but we have that kind of distance that we can, uh, we, we can address it and, and maybe our defenses are not so high. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like, and, and now in you talking about that, it, it really does seem like it was easier to see some of the like big topics and themes that a lot of kids are probably dealing with at a time when they're reading this book. And one of those was kind of that came up for me um, when I was reading it was around like gossip and privacy, which I think is such a thing for especially especially middle grade readers who are starting to want their own space and their own privacy and not have mom and dad involved as much. But I was I was curious about that like those decisions to kind of tackle some of those big topics and and like we saw with boo and magic like how they have to navigate that and kind of come together afterwards well and 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 i want to say this because it's to me it was interesting seeing the response to, to both of these books but in that there was never i never had an agenda about like okay what are the issues of friendship that we need to tackle honestly i was to me the the, the challenge was I'm going to create a, a, a cast of characters that are really different from each other in so many ways. I'm going to put them in an environment which is almost like an empty stage, right, where there's really nothing to influence other than their personalities together. How are they going to get along and what's going to happen? And then, you know, and, and with the best intentions, fix it, right? And so with the character of Boo, the, the, the shy caribou, who we only kind of get a touch of in the first book, in the second book, this is really an interesting thing, and I, and I, I, I find, you know, more so now than than ever that it seems it's always the loudest person in the room who kind of gets uh, gets the focus, right? And who's to say that a shy person shouldn't be, you know, and lend an ear, right? But being shy is not does not necessarily mean that that's not define them either. So I like this idea that she has. A private life in which which she's very comfortable with and that having it infringe you, you know and realizing what that means when when you do that when you you assume you can cross boundaries that you you shouldn't right so i mean it's interesting because i think we're also um having a, a you're, you were talking about how in writing we're kind of re doing looking at how we do things but it also seems like in your book you're also 
maybe not intentionally, but looking at some of these conversations we're having as far as kids and who we let kids be and, and their identity and how they feel in the world. And I think shyness and, and introverts and extroverts is one of those conversations we're having because for so long, I think we thought shy, introverted kids were somehow at a disadvantage and the extroverts were the ones who were really going to succeed in the world. And I think it seems like we've had a, a really a reassessment of that opinion and seeing that, you know, it seems like Boo, while being quiet, is perhaps maybe one of the more observant characters and is just kind of watching from the sides and taking it all in. She makes those very, she makes those observations that are dead on. She knows what's going on, but because she talks in a smaller font, no, no one really pays attention. And and it's a shame because it, all it takes is just giving the space to, for her to be her be heard right and and i you know i know i'm 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 shy i'm I'm better in other certain situations but i know people are even more shy and i always feel like wow if you listen to them they've got so much to say so i I hope that changes more yeah and i think too what what came across with boo as as a character but also all the characters and how you're talking about how you kind of brought the story together is you know, I think it's one of those lessons that is hard for kids and adults too to figure out about how we how we relate to each other and how we deal with each other's differences in a way that isn't going to have a friend group fall apart, but how we kind of um, grow as people by by embracing others' differences and and different opinions. Yes. Yeah. And it's not easy, as we now now even know more. It's really it can be a challenge, especially if you have very different orientations and or perspectives of things. Yeah, and then you have we have like characters like Cece was really interesting to me because um, I know folks that are on the autism spectrum, and there were things about Cece that kind of spoke to that perspective and and how you know when you when you see a character like that right off the bat, you can get your your feathers ruffled, but really they have good intentions at heart. And was that intentional or was it just kind of watching the characters interact with each other? That That's really how, how it came about. Those, you know, no one was, uh, no one was written with, with the intention of, well, the, you know, that would be the label. To, you know, if anything, I wanted to avoid labels. I really, to me, I really just wanted to see if I, if I could create characters, you know, who had obnoxious sides and 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 and, and worthy sides, you know, of, of combinations like we we're all made of, but very different from each other, and we just kind of took all the externals out and just let them interact. What is going to happen, right? And and then again with this this one character who's who's not necessarily the kindness i would say that twitch is you know the most caring and maternal not the smartest like cc not the most sophisticated like hansa but but the one who is willing to put others in uh, in front of himself like naturally you know th- that would be the heart which they all seem to recognize too that, that you know that he is kind of the even in his naivety and his, uh, you know, his wide-eyed misunderstanding of things and that he he really is the heart that holds them together. Yeah. 
you you mentioned that you hadn't intended for there to be a sequel. What were some of the challenges and maybe unexpected surprises that you faced in kind of writing a sequel that you didn't expect would be would be a sequel? Well, I, I think it was a first time I was going, oh, so this is what writer's block is like. <laughs> When that, when the uh, the publisher who took on the first ones, you know, said, "Look, do you think there's a second story in you?" And of course, I go, "I'm going to say no." I mean, I'd, yeah, I'm sure there is, but I didn't know what it was at first, and uh, so uh, I was, um, and and it was like I knew there was this deadline, and I. I took a week off and a friend advised, you know, you, you should have a retreat. And I said, I don't know. I, I don't think I can do that. Well, just go somewhere. So I think I, I went to uh, an old hotel in Victoria and which I was later found out was the haunted room apparently. And uh, <laughs> I hold myself up there and then I, uh, I, you know, I tacked it. And and the first story that came out was actually not one of conflict. It was the one of uh, the snowfall with uh, Dwayne and, and, and Handsome at first and and just I- experiencing, you know, that that magic, especially in Van- Vancouver, whenever it snows, right? It's always big snowflakes and it's slow motion and there's silence and, and, and that. And just getting in touch with remembering that as a child, how much I just loved that sense of everything slowing down and... And, and and having just enjoying it without really speaking and then bringing CC and then, you know, here are the conflicts and, 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 you know, and, you know, the weasel is not responsible for everything too. The weasel does provoke some, but some of it simply is also Dwayne learning, like, is this my responsibility? You know, do I need to fix these things or do I just allow my friends who are not, you know, to work it out themselves too so that that's where i got it came into and then it was kind of like okay yeah the first i didn't really i hadn't defined that the first one was about Dwayne creating the world but when i thought about it yeah that's what he does right he and now now he has to he has to work for it the other uh question i had for you was around the narrator in the book because i there was the narrator has such a great like just hearing in the reading um Adds, it adds something to the to the story to have the narrator come in and speak and uh, kind of guide it. And I wondered where that came from and, and who that narrator is. Is it, you know, yourself or is it someone who's just watching like an omnipresent person? But I just found the narrator to be kind of one of one of the most pleasant parts of it for some reason. Maybe it reminded me of, of fairy tales that I'd read as a kid, but it had this kind of lovely uh, humor and kind of wisdom to it that I liked. I, I'm, I'm glad. No, I don't usually get to talk about it. The narrator is really important because what I wanted to do, and especially with the first book, is establish a level of intimacy that that the the distance between the the the, re, the reader and the characters was so small right so the, the the narrator is like right there with the characters n- not looking from above but almost like he's but but not part of it but but to the point that the characters interact with the narrator on on a few occasions and then the intimacy is so close that then Dwayne 
surpasses a narrator in order to talk directly to the reader at the end and, and send a letter to them, like going, I know you've been watching, I know you're there, and we've been watching you too. And we, you know, so that it wouldn't be a huge leap. It really would be that that close. So that's how the that that's how I wanted the narrator to be. Like the reader, like all of us just kind of huddled together in, in in a way, telling the story, like we were sitting around a fire or something. Yeah. Yeah, it it worked really nicely. And and in you speaking to like that, trying to close the gap between the reader and the characters, it, it really it did do that, I found from for myself and reading it. I have to say, one of the best things I, I, I've had, which I don't think I've ever had before, I've had a few letters, usually introduced, first of all, by a parent to saying, you yeah, know, I have a character, really like, a child who really likes this and that. And I've had like, you know, letters like, oh, I'll show you. Because I get... It's, it's 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 addressed to Dwayne the polar bear. So just, oh, that's great. And it is. I, there's a letter to me, the writer, but then there's a letter to Dwayne too. And you, know, you can't ask for anything better than that. Do you think you're done with Dwayne, or could there be another unexpected sequel? <laughs> I, I have gotten also letters with suggestions of what, and I I haven't. Nothing has come to mind that's really strong that I felt like. You know, others said, well, you should go to the South Pole. I've thought about that. And okay, but to, uh, to what purpose? I don't I don't know yet. Uh, the, the other thing is all, also the, the idea of a rivalry. Like, uh, you know, is there a brother figure, a little brother or sister figure that comes in and what, what that, that would do? But, but nothing right now, kind of. I, kind of I, I feel complete with those two books at this point. Thanks to Dan for being on Writing the Coast. And thanks to you for listening and subscribing to Writing the Coast. If you're interested in finding out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we share information about our upcoming events, like our storied series, which features conversations about the creative process and publishing. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Rena Singh and Ellen Rooney, the creators of Grandmother School. Grandmother School is the winner of the 2021 Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Prize. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast. <laughs>